Hi, and welcome to the College Financial Ladies podcast. I'm Ann Garcia, a fee-only financial advisor and author of the College Financial Lady blog. Today, I'm talking with Olivia Pura about her experiences as a first-generation college student. Olivia just graduated from Northwestern University, where she graduated magna cum laude in biochemistry and Slavic languages. And um, this fall, right now, she's getting ready to um, begin the uh, biochemistry and biophysics PhD program at the University of Chicago, bringing her one step closer to her dream of becoming a professor. Uh, Olivia was born and raised in Illinois, and she's a proud first-generation Polish-American. Her favorite ways to spend time include attending concerts, scouting the best coffee shops in Chicago, and goofing off with her three younger siblings. She's also the reigning Miss Illinois USA, and she uses her title to advocate for female equality in STEM fields. Um, Olivia is also a first-generation college student, and she's going to talk a little bit about her experiences um, in that, um, you know, going through the application and admission and, and, and college process. Um, so let's start with when you were preparing, um, preparing for college as a high school student. Um, you know, what, tell us a little bit about your experiences, um, you know, doing that, you know, what kind of resources were you relying on or were there people or mentors who were helpful to you in that, in that process? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I relied very heavily on my high school's college counselor. He was wonderful. We had one counselor for 500 students, so he was very busy, but I made sure to communicate with him often about my process. And, you know, I had so many questions, of course, being a first generation student. My parents were extremely supportive in the process as well. I mean, they were there to answer any general life questions I had, but obviously when it came to kind of the nitty gritty of college itself, I had to outsource who I was speaking with. So I relied heavily on him for that type of advice. And I was very lucky in that I kind of already knew or had done a lot of research going into senior year of high school about what types of schools I was interested in. But I kind of, I kind of, you know, threw, it was like throwing darts at a map. You know, I kind of, I applied to some colleges in California. I applied to some in the Midwest. I was really all over the place in terms of location. But broadly, I had two categories of schools that I knew I was interested in that helped me kind of narrow down that search. But once it came down to, you know, really filling out those applications and really getting down into the difficult stuff, <laughs> I, I ended up just asking a lot of people that I knew that were a year older than me and had just started college. Luckily, you know, I had a couple of friends that had graduated high school year before I did, and they were a lot of help. But of course, everyone's experience is pretty different. So ultimately, it was a frustrating process at times because I didn't know who to reach out to. I didn't think to reach out to people outside of my network or people that I had never met in person. So going, if I could go back, that's something I definitely would have done more of. Yeah. You mentioned having two, two categories of schools that you were looking at. What, what were those? So essentially I was applying to a lot of really small private schools. So things like uh, Harvard, Yale, Northwestern, uh, Stanford type schools, all this, you know, the student body population was under 10,000 students. Um, they were all private, um, obviously pretty academically rigorous institutions. And then I also applied to a lot of really big state schools. <laughs> so schools like UCLA, University of Michigan, um, I applied to the University of Miami down in Florida, because I, I did not know what type of school would be the best fit for me. And I kind of as I went through senior year of high school, kind of did some more digging about the lifestyle and the finances and 
the culture of the two types of schools. And I realized that I think my personality and the type of person I am fits better into like the smaller, <laughs> smaller school environment. So I ended up kind of, again, I applied to way too many schools. I applied to schools that weren't the right fit for me. So ultimately that second category of bigger state schools just were not the right fit for, for the kind of student I am. Yeah, which is tough when you're looking at STEM fields because it can be hard to find those majors in the in, in private yeah. in a lot of private schools. Um, so you you mentioned you know things I things I know now that I wish I'd known then. So what are some of the things that you <laughs> know now that you yes. that you would like your 16, 17, 18 year old self to have known? So I, one of the biggest things I didn't take advantage of uh, for most of the schools I applied to was the net price calculator. I don't know why I, I saw it, you know, it was on the website, they're not that hard to find, but for whatever reason, I never just took the time to actually put in the numbers and see what different colleges would cost me. And, you know, I, I was getting admissions from schools that were wonderful and schools that I really, really liked. But as soon as I got that price tag, we just knew that there was simply no way that that was going to be realistic or a smart decision for my family. So had I gone back and just done that extra work earlier, I would have saved myself not only the application fee, but the time of filling out the application, you know, the like the mixed feelings of, you know, wow, I got accepted into the University of Michigan, how exciting, but right. the price tag is this out of state public school tuition that just was not going to be realistic for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely would have, rethought that and maybe applied to there are you know great state schools in Illinois that would have been much cheaper and cheaper options so that was a really really big one and again just being able to reach out to students at those schools or reach out to people that had graduated from those schools and just gotten a better idea of the types of opportunities and the things that they got to do while they were students there that would have helped me paint a better picture of each school before I actually went and visited in the spring of senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. um, and so were you able to do a lot of uh, visits? Yes. So when I eventually, my, my three final uh, schools that I was kind of deciding between once we, <laughs> once we had to kick out a lot of expensive options and schools that just weren't the right fit for me, um, they were Stanford, Yale, and Northwestern. And luckily, each of those schools has a revisit weekend or like an admitted student weekend that they do. I don't know how common those are for other schools, but I got to go and they, they really just showcase the school. I mean, we saw performances, we got to talk to students, we got to like see the campus, and it was a really, really awesome way to get to know the school. Um, but you know, it's so overwhelming and you're doing so many things in such a short period of time. I kind of, you know, there were so many questions that suddenly popped into my head as I was leaving campus. Uh, so again, had I known more about those schools before that weekend, I would have known what kind of questions to ask. But at the end of the day, they were really helpful. And that's how I ultimately picked my, my university. Did you do any visits before you applied? I did. Yeah, we actually, uh, what was really fun is we, we did a road trip actually down the East Coast. Uh, the, the spring of my junior year of high school, we flew into Rhode Island and drove all the way down to Washington, D.C., and just kind of popped into a lot of schools along the way. Um, and it was so much fun. We got to see so much of the country that I had never seen before. And, you know, being from the Midwest, I, I didn't realize how much smaller <laughs> other state boundaries are. So it was kind of cool to see so much in, in what was ultimately a pretty short drive. Yeah, so we, did, 
my daughter and I did the same thing. It was, it was fun. And then you get to talk to all these people who have gone, you know, there are people who are making the trip the opposite direction. So they were just at the place you're going to next. And yeah, it was, it was cool. To... It was a really fun way to get it. Like we, we really packed a punch into that trip. <laughs> you know what I felt was good about doing a lot of visits at once was it really put the onus on the schools to stand out to us because we visited, I want to say like 16 schools in five days. Oh, wow. and, and so if we couldn't remember the school when we got home, they were off the list. <laughs> yeah. And you know, first impressions do, I think, you know, there's, there's always little nuances and sometimes the first, you know, you go in on, on like a rainy day sometimes, you know, when I saw Northwestern's campus for the first time, it was this really gross March day. If anyone's ever been to any part of the Midwest in the middle of March, it's just horrendous. So, you know, I, I knew that being from Chicago, that March is not the most pleasant time of year, but it made the whole campus feel really groggy and sad. But then when I revisited in April on like a beautiful sunny day, it, it made a completely different impression on me. But there were some schools where it wasn't even just that day. It was just something about the school. It, you know, people talk about gut feeling when it comes to college. And I didn't really believe that going into the process, but there definitely are a lot of those like gut feelings and gut instincts about certain you know, my, my daughter when we when we got to U Chicago we got lost on our way it was a horrible trip there <laughs> the whole thing was a nightmare and we finally you know we got our uber couldn't find us and um, we got rained on and then there was construction we couldn't find our way around campus and we finally got to where we were going to go and they're like oh welcome and we're going over here to this other building to um to do this and we walked we walked into this other building and I'm just steaming. I'm so, you know, frustrated and angry. And we sat down and she looked at me and she goes, mom, I think this is the place for me. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think that also really speaks to how different schools just fit different people mm -hmm. better or worse. You know, yeah. I mean, my sister, we are so alike in so many ways, but she, she's at the University of Kentucky and she absolutely loves it. And it is just never a school that I think based on the, it's really the type of student you are. I think you have, you have a personality that's separate from like your student personality. It's almost two different branches of who you are. And we're so similar in so many other ways, but when it came down to our academic interests and the goals we had for being in college that was the perfect fit for her so it's really cool to see how that that pans out for different types of people yeah it's it's so true it's so true um so so getting back to your college experience so how did you um so how did you pay for college i mean i'm assuming it sounds like you got a bunch of nice scholarships um you know did you have savings ahead of time um did you take out student loans so one of the biggest places and biggest moments where I felt that first generation college student feeling was that because of the fact that my parents had moved to the United States from Poland in their 20s, they, you know, moving across the world is really expensive. And, and obviously they had to kind of build up their own situation, their own finances here, that they didn't really have the time to and the ability and the capability to make a savings for my college. Um, so we I went into college with no savings from my family's end. Um, you know, now that I have younger siblings, the situation is a little bit better because there's been more time in between. But being the oldest of my siblings, I was kind of, you know, the, the guinea pig of the family. 
I was extremely fortunate that Northwestern um, is a need-based, has a need-based financial aid system. And uh, we actually talked about this in my interview, but uh, Stanford and Yale also evaluate their financial aid as need-based financial aid. But their packages, for whatever reason, were both about $7,000, uh, that cost would be $7,000 less at those two schools than my cost that Northwestern gave me. So I actually brought those two financial aid letters to Northwestern and kind of explained to them how those things were calculated and the fact that they were both supposedly using the same system and the same metric for scholarships. And they were actually able to match those two schools based on the packages from them. So that was really, really fortunate. Yeah. Um, with the cost that I had at Northwestern, we didn't have to take out loans, but I did work as a tutor while I was at Northwestern that helped kind of cover you know, the little expenses that come with being a college student. I was involved in Greek life, uh, obviously with being so close to Evanston in Chicago, I was going out for food. Uh, it's pretty unaffordable as a college student. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so that kind of, you know, that, that it wasn't a work study job. It was a job I just had on campus separately, but that definitely helped with covering those little extra expenses. So it wasn't something my family had to worry so much about. That's great. Did you have any outside scholarships or was all your financial aid from Northwestern? I did. I had a couple. I applied to a scholarship from the Lake Zurich Rotary Club. So that was um, a little bit that I got to put towards freshman year. I participated in a uh, scholarship competition with Giovanni, which is actually a dress, gown, a dress designer um, based in New York. And they have a contest for girls every year that uh, helps provide scholarships for the girls that do well in the competition, which is a pretty unconventional way to earn scholarship money. But uh, I think that's where kind of being a, a pageant girl helped play into my <laughs> my yeah. college finances in, in that way. Um, that's there's kind of many all the different program. scholarships there are out there. I mean, there's one yeah. that's for like the best duct tape dress. Yeah, there's there's something for everybody and for every skill and for every hobby. There's almost all, I've obviously in every, every scholarship imaginable, there's something for it. So I think it was really important for me to kind of get creative and, and really explore those little extra uh, opportunities because it adds up, you know, it's $500 there, $1,000 there, but that's, that's money that you don't have to spend. So anything. How did you find out about those scholarships? So my high school counselor did provide a list for the more local scholarships that happen every single year. Uh, I just did some crazy Google digging uh, when it came to anything else. Um, you know, there were scholarships that were for first-generation Polish-Americans. I think a lot of those cultural groups tend to have scholarships for people of a certain, you know, nationality or uh, ethnic background, which is awesome. And then the Giovanni one specifically was something I'd actually found out about from someone that I competed at Miss Illinois Teen USA with. So that was kind of just a word of mouth. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, whatever, whatever it takes, it's, you know. Right. Creativity will will always help. So so switching gears um, to just you know your college experience in general. How did you, how did being a first generation student inform your college experience? And I, I mean, are there there are things that you discovered along the way that you know if you could go back and talk to your freshman yourself that would make things go more smoothly? Um, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot and there's a lot, there's things that are very big and things that are small. Um, so I'll start with kind of the more big picture uh, experiences that I had. 
And one of the biggest ones is that I just have a much smaller network than a lot of my peers did. Um, you know, people have uncles who work for this company or their mom's sister's friend's cousin is a doctor at this one university. And, you know, people's networks are so well developed when their families have been here for so long and, you know, have been, you know, they have cousins in all these different places and things like that. And I just didn't have that. You know, we have family friends, of course, but I just never thought to even reach out to even that small network that I did have. And then at Northwestern, I didn't realize how many resources there were for people like me who don't have those networks when they step into campus. So it really, it, it, it took me about two, three years to realize that there were so many people on campus that were there for the students that don't have those outside networks. But, you know, that imbalance was still there. Um, there are a lot of things I just wasn't prepared for. Uh, you know, the concept of Greek life was so foreign to me and my family. So, like, organizations on campus like that and are so... And a big Greek school, isn't it? Surprisingly, yes. I think it's about a 40% uh, involvement rate across the Panhellenic and the, the multicultural Greek mm -hmm. life. So, you know the concept of a sorority, like what, like my dad didn't, um, you know, neither of my parents really knew what that was. I didn't really know, know what it was to be entirely honest going into it. And, you know, you, there's just some things that, you know, my parents couldn't give me the advice about how to navigate college classes or exams or how to deal with, you know, applying the jobs once I was graduating or different career paths. So I really had to use the resources at Northwestern. And luckily there were plenty. I never felt like I was you know, a lone wolf in the desert. But then kind of on the smaller level, there were just some things, you know, I think one of the most hurtful things I was ever told was that I only got into Northwestern because I was first generation. Uh, it was said essentially, uh, like, you know, the fact that your parents were born in Poland must have been really great for your application process. So there was that bit of, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome. Like where, cloudy, baby. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, and it, I, I kind of felt like I had to prove myself. And this is kind of, you know, a very, like, psychological mm -hmm. experience and not really something you can almost write out in words. But um, I, had, I felt like I had to prove myself more than the average student because there's this thought in the back of my mind that the only reason I was there was because my parents weren't born in the U.S. and I was the first in my family going to school. So I was kind of like the pity, the pity admittance <laughs> in Northwestern. Um, obviously, that's not true. Uh, I really hope no one ever has to feel that way. But it is a very real experience when you're surrounded by people who come from such a different background than you. So I kind of had to fight through that. And, well, and uh, it, makes us, it, be, it makes me sad to hear that because you're someone who's so accomplished in, in so many ways. And the idea that, that, that you would you know, that you felt a need to, to prove that to people. That just, that makes me sad. Thank you. But, you know, I think it's, it was one of those things where um, it was definitely a, a growing opportunity and, and a growing moment because now that I realize that that's not the case and I've kind of worked through that myself, I hope that I can help other first-generation students or low-income students or minority students, people that have these feelings of, of not belonging in universities kind of work past them and realize that a lot of it kind of comes from internal mm -hmm. self-doubt and internal questioning rather than, you know, what the reality is because everybody earns their spot in a school, um, regardless of, of what their, their backgrounds are. 
Yeah. Um, well, and it, it sounds like, you know, you had this great mentorship role with your, you know, with your high school guidance counselor. Um, that was probably a real, a real difference maker for you moving Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's great to be able to learn at a young age that there are people like that out there who will, who will help you out and keep an eye out for you and, Absolutely. and be invested in, in your, in your success. Well, so before we wrap up, um, I want, um, I want to ask you about your, um, you, you know, your advocacy for, um, for women in STEM. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing with that. So pre, pre coronavirus, um, I was actually working with a representative in the Illinois Senate, uh, to create some new bills and they actually, they're, they're already on, um, they're in the website for the Illinois Senate to be presented officially. However, they just have not met in person and things kind of get delayed and pushed around. And there's so much more legislation happening right now with the pandemic that, you know, things have kind of been put on the back burner. But once these bills are presented and they hopefully will be soon, once it is safe to do so, um, one of them is that Illinois public schools will officially recognize the UN's Women in Science Day. So that will be a day that is recognized and celebrated across um, Illinois public schools. And the big goal uh, eventually with legislation will be to create a week or a small piece of curriculum that schools can use to teach their students, especially the younger students in elementary schools, about the different women that were really successful and really important in different fields of science. So you know, women like Mary Curie or Rosalind Franklin, um, you know, women like that who have just pioneered so many incredible discoveries that we, you know, still marvel at today. But very often, we don't learn that they were actually done by women until college. I mean, uh, I think the best example really is Rosalind Franklin. I was taught that Watson and Crick discovered the DNA structure. And it wasn't until college that I found out that it was actually she who had really made that accomplishment. So um, it's, I think, where we can really make a difference is teaching young girls and uh, teaching young women that they can be successful in those fields, that they have a place in that, those fields, that they should take up that space. So that's what I'm really hoping to do. And, you know, things have been so difficult with everyone kind of living in isolation and being in isolation. But um, Hopefully as a graduate student, I have more opportunities still to kind of work with different groups of people and different groups of women in the sciences or women that aren't in the sciences but are considering those fields. So it's something I'm really excited about. I just, I love science. So it's such a joy to me to, to do anything to make a difference. Was there anything in particular that sparked your interest in science or has it just always been? I, I always tell people my microscope, my telescope, or my Barbies growing up, uh, I always liked it. Um, I was such a curious kid growing up. My favorite word was why, you know, <laughs> my mom could not get, I could not get to the bottom of anything that my mom was trying to, to explain to me because I always had another why uh, waiting for her. But um, yeah, I've always liked it. I really always have. Excellent. Um, so uh when you were in when you're in college so tell me about like internships um work experience things like that that you were able to to do so a big part of my college experience was research uh and that was kind of twofold i was actually in a program my freshman year at northwestern i believe it still exists it's called nu bioscientist and it was actually a program designed for 
first-generation low-income and minority students who had interest in research but didn't have those opportunities in high school. So we kind of were set up in mentorship uh, pair-ups where we got put in labs and got to work as undergraduate research assistants in those labs. But I ended up really liking my research experience freshman year and continued it over the summer. And I was able to earn a grant from the university's Office of Undergraduate Research that helped pay for that summer research, um, which is awesome because so many internships these days are unpaid. So it's pretty exciting to be able to do work and gain experience while also being able to pay for living expenses and pocket some of that for the following year. So I did that for three of my summers, actually. And then I worked as a tutor as well, which was an awesome experience because you don't really see a lot of younger students on a college campus. So to be able to spend some time with like high schoolers and middle schoolers once in a while uh, helped remind me that other people outside of campus <laughs> exist. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Um, any last words you'd like to leave the audience with? This has been super informative for me. Gosh, I guess my biggest piece of advice is to just, you know, it took me so long to learn this because I was such a stubborn kid growing up. You really can ask for help and you should ask for help. And it is so okay to ask for help, whether it's academic or social or otherwise in college and beyond. Um, you know, you can do things alone. And I think each of us has power to do incredible things on our own, but there's also so much power in, in teamwork. <laughs> and I didn't appreciate that until, you know, the middle of my college experience. So I think that would be my biggest takeaway from my last four years. Well, those are some, some, some wise words at a, at a young age. So congratulations. Thank well, Olivia, thank you so much for, um, for joining me today. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for having me.